As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond Rich. How we doing? Jordan, you know, I'm I'm not known for expressing a whole lot of, you know, outright joy about things, but I have to say... (laughs) Where is this going? (laughs) I've been watching a lot of... uh, I don't watch a lot of live TV, but I've been watching more live TV because the NHL playoffs are going on, as I know you're aware being a, the huge Carolina Hurricanes Die hard. fan. Die hard, Die hard fan, fan over here. Yeah. And I have to say this Matthew Stafford commercial, it still gets me. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it, this AT&T commercial. I probably, they, they play it like ad nauseum on TNT or ESPN or whatever it is. And it's just well done. I don't know what it is about it. Like, it's just the, the, the concept of it is so simple and so like subtle. And like, I love Matthew's little like, when he turns to the camera and says, well, I'll, I'll, then you'll never forget it ever. And then you know, <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. I'm, I've probably seen that commercial now like 75 times and, and I still watch it every single time. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty clever. So I just wanted to share that. It plays into, I think we, he's, dry, he's got a drier sense of humor than we knew when we first sort of all collectively met him. Um, and, you know, being sort of separated on different beats, you don't cover a lot of opposing quarterbacks unless the team you cover plays them. And so, and a lot of times it's like that can sort of press conference vibe. And so that dark humor, that dry sense of humor, we're learning more and more about Matthew in that regard. And that's, that's been a fun process. So the, the, the look to the camera, Rich, and he goes ever. Yeah, that, yeah. that that does get me as well. I, I respect it. I respect it. Good good no. intro. I was, I was a little concerned about where you were going with that if we were going to turn this into a hockey podcast instead of no, a total no, 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 football no. nerd out podcast that we're about to have with our guest coming up here. But I'm glad yeah. you went in that direction with it. No, no, I won't. You know, we'll do a whole separate episode about your your hurricanes and, <laughs> and how they're doing. Uh, but yeah, special guest here, Jordan. Before we get to that, not a not a whole lot of uh, active Rams news. Uh, no Odell Beckham Jr. news, so we, we can get that out of the way right now. Nothing new to report. Stay updated on Twitter with Jordan for that. Uh, but it, you know, here we are uh, entering the second half of May, May sixteenth, Monday morning, as as we record here. Uh, Jordan, just you know, kind of where are we in the in the 
the in the OTAs uh, sphere. Um, you know what's coming up. Things are still going on there, but there's maybe not a lot of on-field action. When are we going to see guys on the field? Maybe we're we going to learn a little bit more uh, about what they plan to do on the field. Uh, where, where are we with that stuff in kind of the uh, the calendar of things? Yeah, so uh, late May is is what you're looking at in terms of access to practice and and more football activity at practices. Right now they're in phase one and phase two, which means that they can only do sort of uh, in the gym workouts. They can work out with uh, Justin Lovett and Reggie Scott and his training staff as well, but no football activity. It's funny. The defensive backs like can't even play catch with Matthew Stafford because that's a football activity, the act of you know, intercepting a pass. So, you know, it's, they can't even do things. I mean, I'm sure it's not that strictly uh, looked at, but it's, it's the, the rules of this period of time are, are, are super strict and you're allowed to, you know, interact with the, the strength coach and the training staff, but coaches have to sort of stay separate from that, which is um, probably difficult to do in their facilities, but uh, is happening nonetheless. And then they can get really into uh, the football stuff and the installs. And, and that's something that I'm super excited about too, because, we are going to see not only how this offense will continue to expand, but something that I really am excited to talk about today is we're also going to see how this defense is going to continue to evolve and expand. Um, Rich, you know how much I love this guest that we have on today. I probably fangirl and make this person uncomfortable at certain at certain times <laughs> because I'm such a huge fan of his work. Um, Cody Alexander is our guest today. Cody, I'm going to just introduce the the shit out of you here in a minute, but I'm so happy to have you with us today. And then how are you doing so far this morning? Doing great. Glad to be here. So Cody Alexander created the Match Quarter series. He wrote five books on defense. He's a defensive expert. You guys probably remember him from the Brandon Staley, Sean McVay clashing football evolutions piece in which I bugged the living hell out of Cody uh, to to talk defensive philosophy with me. And um, we really sort of did a deep study on what the Rams were doing under Brandon Staley at the time. And, and Cody was has been on top of uh, defensive s- scheme shifts and changes and ev- evolutions throughout the league. And this one has been pretty exciting. I mean, what do you remember sort of about the tricklings up of that particular time, Cody, as you started to watch what would then, what would, I guess, what, what, what's now become more in vogue throughout the rest of the league? Yeah, I think the biggest thing in such a, there's such a big difference coverage wise from the NFL to the, to the college level where you have everybody running essentially a too high shell at the, at the college level. And, it, and it, again, that's mostly quarters coverage or variations of it. And then you look at the NFL single high dominant, cover one dominant, cover three dominant, and then you just got to see 80 to 85 plus percent too high alignments by by the Rams and the Broncos uh, when it was Staley and Fangio and everybody's like freaking out, like, what does this mean? <laughs> and then it's the old argument, well, are they really running quarters and then everything about how the how everything is? And and to me, I think that's the the nuts and bolts of it and the and the why behind it is what I think is so interesting and in how mm, different it is from anything else mm-hmm. any, anywhere else. Yeah. And and before we really dive deeply into this and, and what it means moving forward, and also Cody's been studying Raheem Morris's defense as well and sort of how they've evolved forward that Staleo Fangio, Staley, Staleo, it, it might as well be Staleo at this point, yeah. that Staley Fangio system and and some of the evolutions of that and the, and the pollinations of that. But Cody, I want to talk a little bit more about your background as well, because you, you've studied this stuff for a really long time. You've quite literally written 
multiple books on the subject. One thing I love about the way that you talk about football, and I told you I was going to fangirl out over this. Um, one thing I love about the way that you talk about football is you genuinely love teaching football concepts. Like you genuinely love the process of explaining what all of this means and what all of this is to people in a way that even people who aren't familiar with, they, they are not intimidated by, and they are certainly um, sort of understand the excitement of behind some of the things that that this game does and, and the way that it grows. So take us back a little bit and in, in how your studies started getting a little bit deeper in this regard, including the inception of sort of the match quarters and um, certainly your, I, I would say, like scientific exploration into quarters coverage in general. Yeah, I got a really cool opportunity uh, right out of college to be able to go and work at Baylor under Phil Bennett, who's now at North Texas, and he's been around everywhere. And then uh, at the time, Art Bryles was just beginning to kind of get that offensive system off the ground. And so what we ran, which is kind of a, a variation offshoot of kind of Rex Ryan blitzes with that Jimmy Johnson quarters coverage and that whole concept of, of what it means to be up front. Um, and you mix that against basically going against one of the, the greatest off college offenses of all time and watching that evolution uh, fold out. And that's kind of where the basis of, of my kind of foundation of my understanding of football kind of becomes starts from there. And so everything that I look at from there, you know, I want to constantly get better. I want to, I want to understand the why behind things. And so football's the one of the venues that I get to just be creative and, and kind of nerd out. in. And so from there, I kind of just, I focused on college and then um, I'm a huge Broncos fan uh, and have become a huge Rams fan just I really like what's going on. Um, I'm not going to be- not to cut you off, but you text me or DM me like we we go back and forth about like probably two or three times a week. Like Cody and I'm paraphrasing because y- you say it in a very professional, polite manner. You're like, this is some cool shit they're running. Look at this. What do you <laughs> think of this? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Let me tell you about this guy that they brought in. And like we go back and forth on like I'm telling you guys, like it, go look at Cody's Twitter feed right now. He's doing intensive studies of this team part and and it's I think it's so interesting we talk about evolution and and growth in football all the time but it kind of mirrors your studies of this I mean you you quite literally have found yourself uh in a similar sort of I guess petri dish back when you were at Baylor because you're you're literally watching this particular iteration and a very maybe early version of this defense and and speaking broadly of course you're watching it go against a cutting edge offense this is exactly what NFL teams are trying to do now with these systems that are now becoming dominant is match them and battle them, not just once every once in a while in games, but kind of run theorems against each other on a daily basis in practice because of what they saw McVeigh and, and Staley doing that against each other and what that produced. But I think it's interesting because you've sort of found yourself caught in the middle of all of this in a way because you you have seen that. You've seen that happen at a very, very early level and I remember we were walk, we were working on that piece together, Cody, um, back in 2020 um, of the Sean McVay and Brandon Staley sort of battles. And um, it, it was interesting because that name, you know, Jimmy Johnson, that name did come up. I had coaches call me that have been in the league for a while after that piece. And, and, and they said, man, this takes me back. This reminds me of, of when we were looking at some of that quarters, the, those quarters concepts. And 
And I just think it's that that's some of the something that you've covered, maybe at first without intentionally doing so. But ultimately, when you look at the scope of what the sort of the broadness of what you've covered, you have covered this trickle up and this evolution. Yeah, it's really interesting because when I got to the high school, when I came off of Baylor and I went back to the high school level, we really were just an odd. It was an odd front world because we just didn't have and most even in the state of Texas where I'm at, we just don't have a just plethora of large defensive linemen. If you're large, you go to offensive line. It's an offensive, it's an offensive state um, and has been, obviously, I think everybody kind of understands the quarterbacks that come from the state go everywhere. Uh, It's a skill position heavy. It's a real hot part of the country, meaning that everybody here is really fast. And so a lot of things you see are from a three down front. So going back to that three down world, but then having that experience of watching the four two five kind of blossom back into, you know, people had taught you know, Gary Patterson been doing it forever. And then everybody's like, this is it. This is what we need to do. You saw it with that. Then you started seeing the transition to the tight front, which is essentially just you're, you're clogging the B gaps. You have a nose guard who's controlling the center and you're, you're allowing those inside linebackers kind of be free. And what you're doing is you're creating these levers on the outside and, and to watch that at the college level. And then you start seeing it pick up and then it's been around. These concepts have been around forever. Nothing is anything new, but the way that they're pieced together and the philosophy behind them is, is, is brand new. You, I watched football in the last decade truly become a space sport much in the same way the NBA has become a space sport. Soccer obviously has kind of always been a space sport. But you go and you look at these major, what are all the team sports doing? And it's spreading you out and it's trying to find space. And and I call it spatial Darwinism. You either know how to contain (laughs) it on defense or you, and you know how to get to it on offense. And those are the people that are going to survive. So like you talked about that kind of that, ebb and flow and that cat and mouse game, the defense is an offensive play. You know, that to me is where I love to be at and understand football. Are you seeing now too, and uh, we touched on this a little bit. We had dialogue on this a little bit, um, it, especially our, my our Rich and I's colleague, Deontay Lee wrote this great piece about um, Pete Carroll. And he's kind of like, I think representative of one of the last, maybe like defensive holdovers because he did force a catalyst earlier in his NFL career. And it, it, it swept across pretty much the entire league. And now everything's changing and moving into, as you say, that that spatial Darwinism, which is a phrase that I just get a kick out of. But but every everything's moving and changing and and now more so matching the system. And you're seeing, you saw for it's 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 kind of pointless to even debate, you know, it's a chicken or the egg situation. You know, okay, did you start with the McVeigh offense and then this defense happened to or the Shanahan McVeigh offense and this defense happened to be just a perfect counter for it. And, you know, that brought, that led to its rise or was it, you know, this defense was, you know, becoming dominant against really spread out pass, pass heavy attacks at the college level and even at the high school level in some areas. And it naturally was the evolution required as offenses kept moving forward. And whichever came first is sort of that chicken and the egg conversation. But how are you seeing, uh, teams pull not just concepts, but pulling like literal people out of separate schemes and areas um, defensively, especially maybe college to NFL and NFL to to NFL and sort of planting them in these other ecosystems and sort of seeing what pollinates out of that. 
Yeah, I think it started really with the with the Tampa two defense back in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. where you just started seeing just your basic eleven personnel, two by two, three by one, you know, vertical tight end through the middle. You got basically you saw if you think about it, the power forward playing tight end. You know, I, I grew up in Kansas City with Gonzalez, and then obviously you, you had uh, the Gates from the from the Chargers. Like you just had these guys that basically were basketball players, and they were just playing. And they were, all they were doing is they were more athletic than the Mike linebackers. Then you have Brian, Brian Erlacher, who again is a freak, and everybody tried to find this next Brian Erlacher, which you can't because there's only one <laughs> uh, that can play in that system. You know what I mean? And so the problem with the Tampa two system was just you were never going to be very good in the run game if you didn't have a Warren Sapp that could just, or, you know, like with the Rams right now with with Don, like if you don't have a dominant three technique that can essentially close off a whole side, uh, you're going to, you're going to have issues. And then you're, you're that constant, just this pulling of the Mike linebacker. Do I go deep? Do I run? Do am I in the run fit? And so what you saw was a kind of a going back to Neanderthal ball of like, let's just get everybody in tight and just run power three yards in a cloud of dust. And so I think the, the, what you see now is a lot of the young coaches that grew up in that time are now becoming, are now becoming kind of, they're seeing another iteration of the spread offense. You know, I think 2011, it really saw kind of spread kind of one. It, nobody, once we turned that corner in 2010 and we got to the next season, like it, everybody was running the spread. It's not going back. I think the injection of analytics passing on first down, pre-snap motions. These are all things. Well, how do you combat that? And the easiest way to combat it is to play a two-high shell. Uh, but you can't play Tampa 2. Because if you play Tampa 2, now you have all the old problems that you're, you're going to have again, but the offense has advanced. So you can't go back to something that you've already been, been doing. And that's where I think the, the ingenuity of what Fangio started in, in Chicago, what Staley really kind of brought to the forefront of everybody in 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 LA was that five man front with with a two high shell and using leverage as a way uh, instead of aligning everybody where they're supposed to be pre snap you now go ahead and leverage everybody and I think it again defense is reactionary. And so it's always going to be behind the trend. So when you get something like this, where everybody's like, whoa, this is really different. That's mm-hmm. where I think you get to see the true, hey, this guy's really ahead of the game on it. And I think Fangio had created a system that count was ready made to go ahead and go against what we were seeing with the wide zone RPO, the boot actions that are now back. I mean, Shanahan's been running the boot action uh, it's with John Elway forever, you know, back in back in the 90s. So to me, it's like we're just seeing these these kind of we're this. I call it time is a flat circle. I wrote in my book, hybrids. <laughs> time's a flat circle. The only difference is we keep moving forward. So we're getting these different things, but it looks completely different because of the time, the time that we're in. Yeah. And I think, too, um, I want to go back to the that sort of sequence in net, what now is football history when you know, Fangio collides with McVay. At that time, thinking about what you knew about the Rams offense at that time, um, and and especially we've talked about this, that that sort of dependency on the play action and, and certain things that happened post-snap. What was it about that system at that time from your perspective in watching these now, I guess, early iterations of what they've become in such a short time period, which is wild to me, but what was your impression of, Okay, this actual this defense is now here at the perfect time as the perfect counter to exactly what this guy is doing. 
Yeah, and I th- he just had a system in the secondary that he had made it to where you don't have a down and a, and a cover safety. Like you mm-hmm. don't, you're not going to have a guy that's a box safety. You're not going to have this guy. His system was created, and probably from your time working in co- his time working in college of just creating a system of where you have kind of maybe a field side or a boundary side. Okay, well, when you get in the NFL, you don't need a field and boundary, but you do need a primary corner, you need a secondary corner, you need a, prim- you, you need a safety that you probably would more like to be on the weak side, uh, and then you need a safety that you want that's kind of dropping down or things like that. But what he created essentially was just a too high shell where they're just going to rock and they're going to roll depending on the formation, and they're going to defend the formation and what that formation is. I think, too, the the way that he inverted his cover six most people understand cover six outside of the saving world they understand cover six is quarter quarter halves mm-hmm. well fangio flips that and he says we're going to run cover two to the passing strength and we're going to run quarters away now why would you do that and the reason why you do that is that most of the time now again this is something that i had to step away from and really reteach myself not going up against art briles was we don't have to necessarily worry about four verticals all the time and in the nfl everything is layered because it's it's all kind of that west coast meshing now with the air raid and then you have the air coriel system so you have this kind of this mixed bag of thing best practices essentially everybody kind of runs the same things now we're just getting different variations of it but now he flips it and we're, he's saying, look, we're going to build a triangle over these because we're going to get different layers of it. We're going to get a deep and intermediate and short. Well, if I can do this, I can create a layer there, but then we're going to leverage that backside safety to where we can bring him down and he can either take that crosser and we can cap everything on the front side. Cap just means I can stay on top. Or we can use him to double the backside and we can kind of vice that vice that dominant X receiver that, you know, the number one receiver on the backside, which I think is an ingenious way. But then it also from doing that, you unlock your middle of the field closed coverages. Primarily, the NFL is now a, a three by one formation. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody and the reason why is because it's such a difficult formation because you've overloaded one side of the field. And I know that, you know, it's only three people, but remember you can only have five people out, right? So if you put three to a side, you've automatically already overloaded that side. So how do you counter that? Well, what's the number one game in the NFL on offense? It's those fast crossing routes across the middle and and they're great versus middle of the field closed, uh, which, you know, if you, if you've ever watched anything on, on single high coverage or the Carroll system, what's the, how do you devastate that you run crossing routes, right? These deep crossing routes that they have now are on every NFL offense and it's everywhere in college football, but it's also great against middle of the field closed. I mean, middle field open. So how do you, how do you create a system like that? And I think the way that he inverted it is ingenious, but then also not necessarily placing people in these, you know, you are here. No, it's more of a fluid concept mm-hmm. from the front all the way to the back and the back to the front. And so to me, I think he is, he kind of met McVeigh. McVeigh hadn't kind of like the six, one stuff, like to me is just a, all you did. All they did was just put an extra guy in there. Cause it was such a run heavy offense and all these quick motions. Okay. Well, we're going to sit in our two high shell. You're going to move a guy. We're just going to spin down on top of it, but we've clogged all the gaps. We're going to put, put your running back in a phone booth. And we're going to funnel him right to the Mike linebacker that all he has to do is make a tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think to me that that and then watching that play out in the Super Bowl with Bilicek 
it was kind of like, okay, we've arrived. This is, this is something that we're on to something. Yeah. And I think to, to place it in deeper context with the Rams specifically is those crossers. I mean, that's Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, bread and butter at that time. That's Sean McVay, bread and butter. That's Jared Goff comfort zone right there at that time. And particularly when, um, you know, things were, things were so fluid and could change post snap the way that they did and now do with such frequency. Again, we're talking about this. This was only what, four years ago? Right. Yeah. We're talking about this like it's another era at this point. That's how much of a catalyst these two systems colliding with each other has created. Everything is different now. And so I think that it's, when you talk about in the context of the Rams, it, it, the moments met each other at that perfect time and imperfect if you're Sean McVay, obviously it drove him nuts, but like met each other at the perfect time to show. So on the other side of it, you know, you're looking at safeties who are extremely empowered players. You're looking at a huge amount of trust that the coach is putting into not just the technical sides of what the defensive players are doing, but in how they are asserting and, and moving. And it's, it's literally, it's, it's not, you know, um, guys moving into, like you said, not, not, um, moving into landmarks, essentially. It's guys who are literally asserting against the quarterback because of what they're doing pre-snap in the shell and then post-snap in the rotations. And I think that also has changed everything. When you look at it, the Rams now, you look at specifically the way that they've started to draft safeties. You look at specifically the way that they've brought in players uh, opposite Jalen Ramsey and increased Jalen Ramsey's autonomy and empowerment and what he does in the defensive backfield. It, it Those moments, that that one game, and then ultimately, you know, McVay understanding people were going to try to run this against him. Not only did it force the quarterback change, ultimately, right, yeah. but it also, it forced so many different ripple effects through the entire ecosystem of what this Rams team became, those those moments, those singular moments where we're, we're like, God, this game's boring. Six points against against the Fangio Bear. Like, what do you do? Six points. That's, you know, that's a boring game. That's a game you turn off. And it changed, it changed everything ultimately. And I think too, um, I, I want to dig in a little bit deeper to what when you're looking, and again, we're talking about the earlier iteration of this. Right. Cody, when you're looking at it from the perspective of a quarterback, what is it that you're seeing? Well, I think you go back to the whole deal with Jared Goff, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be a high processor in terms of you've got to have spatial awareness at the just the maximum level. And you what the system does, especially from a system that is under the center, play action heavy. Now, once that quarterback turns his back, he's completely blind. His pre-snap, his pre-snap thought process and his mental model, he has an idea of he can look at contours and who's low and, okay, I know this formation, they've done this, but you don't know whether they're going to just pop back out into, into a too high shell or if they're playing their, their version of cover six, or if they're going to smash somebody down into the box post snap to cut a crosser. So mm-hmm. as I turn my head, I'm, I'm giving a ball fake. Right. And then now all of a sudden I get my head back around one. I have an, I have an edge player who's leveraged. 
So I can't just go and escape right away. But two, I also got to turn around and I have to reset my mental model, understanding where my guys are moving, where the defense now has moved their people, where are the leverage points and where's going to be that empty space. And so to me, that part of the system as a coverage guy myself, as a DB guy myself, that is what I think is the, the, the coolest part of the system is how they have created a way to leverage the offense, but also force quarterbacks who may not have high processing skills to now think because we know in the NFL hesitation is death. And really in anything, if you hesitate, you're going to die. You're going to get sacked. You're going to end up throwing into a bad coverage or a bad situation. Uh, and when you run a simplistic offense, which uh, you go back to the Jared Goff, thing, it had to be simple. It had to be, you know, look, we're going to try and get them to load the box. And then we're going to try and run crossing routes in front of them. And the thing about the crossing route is think about the easiest throw for you just as a normal person. None of it, them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but at least if somebody's standing in front of me, I've got, I can hit that person more often than not. Whereas now, okay, I'm bringing these crossing routes, bringing these crossing routes. All I got to do is just play catch. I just got to turn around. I just got to play catch. I know that spot's going to be open because of the coverage that, that we've seen. I just got, all he's got to do is beat his guy. And so when you do that, but then you leverage another person like that. And now I've got, okay, now he's kind of double covered or that I didn't expect that guy to be there. That to me, that, that holding of the ball and allowing now your D line to get there. That's kind of where the beauty of the system meets with the run fits and the coverage part piece at the same time. Yeah. I have to say, Cody, I mean, as somebody who was kind of critical of the Rams and, and, you know, what they did with Jared Goff and giving him his contract extension, I'd kind of said, you know, you knew what Jared Goff's faults were from the beginning, right? You, you knew his limitations, you knew his strengths. Uh, but I, I don't know whether they were able to see around the corner and I don't think they were expected to have been able to see around the corner and see what teams were going to try to do to him and, and exploit him in those ways. Uh, and, and, uh, credit to them, I guess, for for recognizing that as quickly as they did, and saying, "Hey, you know what? This is not this is not sustainable for us. This is not something that we can really uh, maybe even uh, fix." Uh, so they they certainly made the move that that they needed to make there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U S based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, amazing stuff. I, I, I wish, I, Cody, as, we, as I sit here and listen, I, I wish we could almost have a whiteboard here uh, that, that we could show people uh, the stuff that, that we're uh, talking about here. Just just fantastic breakdowns. Again, Cody Alexander, uh, matchquarters.com if you want to go a little bit more in depth. Great we'll give newsletter. all the plugs. Great newsletter. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll give all the plugs at the end <laughs> of the episode, but uh, matchquarters.com. You can get his books uh, on Amazon, on Twitter at the underscore coach underscore A uh, to follow along. And, uh, you know, Cody, I just, if I could, uh, could kind of get a little more narrow just, just about the Rams and, and maybe your thoughts and not not so much about um, the X's and O's, but the, this transition that the Rams went through, right? I mean, you go from the Wade Phillips uh, that they had for in 2017 uh, through 2019, they bring in Brandon Staley, uh, you know, a total reset of, of everything that they're doing. He obviously uh, jumped ship after one year for his great opportunity. And they bring in Raheem Morris, who, who is somebody who uh, obviously you talked about the, the track record there. I'm just curious, as somebody who has followed this and studied this as closely as you did, what did you think about that? I mean, what did you think about that transition from Staley to Morris uh, from, from, a, uh, from a defensive standpoint, knowing the personnel that the Rams had? Uh, was it something that struck you immediately as this is really going to work as this is really kind of strange. Uh, were you intrigued by it? I mean, wh- where, where was your head when, when you knew that that was the transition that they were going to make, uh, you know, just about a year ago? Yeah. You know, I was like, okay, well, are they going to, they going to hit reset again? Um, but I think it had more to say about McVeigh than it did even with Raheem Morris. I, I think if you go, when you look let the two, giants of this profession in Nick Saban and in Bill Belichick. And you go and you look at how they structure their programs. It doesn't matter who is there. They're going to run their system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think essentially I was interested in the first couple games. Okay. How is this going to work? What are they going to look like, especially during the preseason? How much are they really going to show? Are they just going to say, Hey, this is what we were last year. We're going to run this during the preseason, but then behind closed doors, we're, we're doing different things. And really what you saw was essentially McVeigh went to Morris and said, Hey, here's the deal. This works. This is what I want. This is the best thing. I feel like I'm the top offensive mind in in the league. This is what gives me the most trouble. This is why I want you to run this. And this is our program. This is our system. But not in this autocratic sense of where, like, you can't have a – a say in it, or you can't have your own personality. Because I think if you go and you look at what they did this year compared to what they did last year, it is different in a way that they use great gains is much different than what they had been doing. Some of these front structures, it's more of what I would call an under front, which is more of a a five, a shade and a three versus the kind of these bear looks with, which are four, 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 three, Oh, three, depending on how, whatever you want. Um, But they ran a little bit, probably a little bit more quarters action than you normally would see. Um, not you go when you look at like the Fangio system, you go look at Staley, they do a lot more nickel. They didn't do it. I mean, the Rams weren't playing a tunnel four down uh, last year. And so uh, you could see that. And I really think it happened towards the middle part of the year. Okay. Now he kind of got used to the system. This is now I understand what works. Okay, these are my ideas. Okay, those don't work, but this the I like these ideas and how can I mesh that in? Which is you're always going to have that transition anytime that you're entering into something and you got to kind of put your stamp on it. Like you're given the playbook and say, okay, this is what we're doing. Can you can you please figure this out? Um, 
So I, to me, that schematic part, it says a lot more about McVay. And then obviously with, with Morris being able to adapt uh, and kind of through his career, been able, you know, to go come in and say, Hey, you, you know, drop the ego and say, okay, this is what my head coach wants. This is what we want to do. And then, and then kind of create your own variation of it, which obviously was successful. Um, and, and it led to a Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and Raheem is so uh, assistant coach oriented, like he spent, and when I was out there watching every, every day to see what is this thing going to look like, he spent so much time with the assistant coaches every single day on the practice field, more so than I'd, I'd ever seen a coach uh, do. Because as, again, as a, a coach at that level, you are literally, quite literally, you're coordinating, right? You're like the umbrella and everyone else is under you. But instead, he was immersing and investing in every single position. And it wasn't just because he's, uh, you know, an, an extrovert personality who likes being around people. It's because he was absorbing and and understanding information, but also figuring out ways to apply it. And I think, Cody, too, when we talked about this a little bit, is you saw once he hit that sort of, okay, I know what this is now after, again, hugely impressive, never ran this system before. This is also something where, relatively speaking, there still isn't a, wasn't at the time, wasn't a ton of tape out on specifically what this, what this defense was supposed to look like and, and what it would look like as a, as an evolved version. Like, how do you move it forward? Because Brandon, he's only there one year and he's taken all his notebooks with him. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like so, some of these positions, the evolution of the star position with Jalen, you know, that was a Brandon Staley concept that the Rams took and carried forward, but applied it with their sort of unique level of empowerment that they do give with players and also that relationship you could see between Raheem and Jalen, you could see that really grow through the establishment of that position and the empowerment that it demands. But then also you could start to see Raheem's personality shining through and, and sort of that, that um, I don't want to say confidence. He's never been short on confidence, but that situational confidence where this defense really dictated down the stretch, like the pressures that he dialed up and the designs that he did, especially in the the playoffs and the and the Super Bowl itself. To me, that screamed Raheem Morris. Like some of the things that he did walking up Ernest Jones um, or or any of the linebackers, the inside linebackers to the line of scrimmage, um, some of the rotations, um, Aaron Donald on the outside against Tampa Bay, like that just some of that stuff. How did you see that, Cody, moving forward and and him start to put pieces of his own personality into um, the layers of what the Rams were doing defensively. Yeah. I think if you look at what they, what they were compared to the chargers and the Broncos this year, you know, they ran more, they ran more middle of the field, close zone almost by about 10% more than the chargers, almost 20% more than, than the, than the Broncos, according to PFF, uh, not a big cover one team. I think what you really saw philosophically is that viral video that went out with Jalen Ramsey talking about digs from the Cowboys and how different they are. He's an out of phase player versus digs is an in phase player. And I think it's, it's really interesting to me because 90% of their, their rushes or their blitzes were came from a five man rush, which means that they were really playing a lot of five man fronts. Uh, so when you go and you look at that analytically, that kind of tells you that. But then they're playing zone behind it, letting these guys 
react within short bursts and space and, and playing top down. And that's essentially what Ramsey was saying is like, look, mm-hmm. I play top down. I read and react. I'm looking at defenders and how they're moving and then, and then reacting in that way. I've always been a big believer that you see ball, get ball. Um, and, and you're not going to give up the big play. And to me, it goes back to our, our brows always used to say, look, all you got to do is don't let them score and give us the ball back. Cause if you do that just one time, we're going to win. And I feel like that's kind of the same mentality McVay has. It's like, look, we don't need to necessarily be a top five defense every year. If we do, that's great. We're probably going to win the Super Bowl. But we all we've got to do is be able to be a top 10, be in the top mm-hmm. third of the league and bend and don't break. And essentially what they've done is obviously they have stars and obviously you have, you know, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, but leveraging them and essentially Xing out one offensive player target with Jalen Ramsey, but then, with your five-man front, forcing a guard or a tackle to play Aaron Donald one-on-one every single down. You're going to win that. Just this statistically, you're going to win more than <laughs> you're going to lose. I mean, you just are because he's, he's the best he's the best defensive player in the league. Um, and so to me, when you look at it, it's it's almost – it's so simplistic, but it's such a – it's so genius that, you know – all they're doing is they say we can win this one-on-one matchup. We're going to eliminate that. We're going to win this one matchup. And then now we're going to apply pressure in a pass heavy league. To me, I, I just think that that's where Raheem Morris did a great job of. And two, I, I mentioned about moving Greg Gaines off of, off mm-hmm. of the a zero, not aligning him all the time on the center, but creating a shade. When you run a shade, it forces that guard to honor him, it gives you leverage on certain things. When you do move him, now you're now you're moving across the face of somebody who's probably going to latch on top. It just creates gaps, and and so to me, that movement to that was a little bit different. I thought that that was a really good way of using kind of a workmanlike games to kind of create these openings for for everybody to have a little bit easier, especially at the linebacker spot. Spatial Darwinism. And what I really love about this defense, I, you, okay, the, the listeners of this podcast know that this is like, I'm in my happy place right now. This is just, I just, I freaking love this stuff. Okay, so this has affected and changed everything, including it, 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 it changed the way they draft. When, right. when I've talked and written so much about complementary traits. They're not looking for complete guys because of the way they're le- able to leverage space and leverage their best players within the scheme. The scheme. This is the perfect scheme for a team that has no f-ing first round picks ever because you can, you literally can um, create these very simple leverages and you can create these mathematical advantages. And, and in a way, if you're finding players who are perfect for that specific thing that you want to do, and then you also have an Aaron Donald and you have a Jalen Ramsey who you're leveraging everything toward or, or moving the math toward essentially, um, and they're smothering in other ways, then those guys can, can shine for you quickly 
early in their careers, which again is part of the thing that keeps this entire ecosystem afloat. So McVeigh had done that for, for years already on the offensive side, because that's how the offense is also structured with those leverages and mathematical advantages. And, and he always says things like, you know, changing the math or adding plus ones and things like that. Well, the defense also does this. And in a way to me, what I most loved about this defense, particularly seeing what it did up close in person, um, to quarterbacks and specifically in that those series of training camp practices, so seeing what it did to McVeigh and to Jared, and and not in a not in a mean spirited way, but in a way where it was like this is the first defense that I'd ever seen in person, you know, in in my somewhat brief you know shorter career in this, but like this is the first time I'd seen a defense not react but create mathematical assertions, and that's like to me that's a game changer in terms of, and it's also to me why everybody wants a piece of this thing is because it's if you do it right and you evolve it in a way that's again empowering to the players and you have the right players who are executing and you're also just fully leaned into it one time Brandon Staley told me like this defense doesn't work if you just don't fully buy into it if you and every single assistant coach and every single player because of the the assignments and the responsibilities and the magnitude of of the mental work that you're doing snap snap in and snap out if, if you don't fully buy into it, it won't work. But if you do, you can see that it becomes an assertive thing. It doesn't just become reactionary. Um, some of the ways that, that it can actually, um, almost become, and it's, it only maybe makes sense in my brain, but it, it almost becomes eth like the, the ethos of an offense that's attacking you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, that's, you want to be, you want to, as a defense, you don't want to have to always be reactionary all the time because you want to be offensive in the way that you play. And that's, I think to me, when I look at this defense, that's why I like it so much. That's why I study it so much is because I can see in my mind, okay, they're leveraging this, they're applying pressure here, um, which is one of the reasons why, you know, I like that. I thought what we did at Baylor with the limited players that we had in terms of just talent, we were able to leverage, you know, what we were doing and, and really suffocated a lot of offense. We were able to get a top 20 defense and, and play, you know, about 200, 300 more snaps than anybody else in the country. And so to me, when I look at this and when I'm looking at things, I want to know guys who are doing less with more. Um, or I mean more with less. And when I look at what the Rams do is primarily in, in what they're doing in the draft is they're, they're, like you said, is if I don't have to hit a home run every time, because when you look at people who enter the, the draft, it's all about home runs, right? Like, oh, we got a home run here. This guy's going to change our, pro you know, to me, what they're doing is they're saying, look, if we need a home run, we're just going to go get the guy that fits the mold. And we know we're going to, we're going to get it. Uh, because if you go and look at it, a lot of times, what guys do, they just throw money at a player. That player doesn't really fit the scheme. He comes in and then you look at a free agency bust, right? And so that becomes an issue. What the Rams have done is says, no, this is this guy fits what we want. We've got him. It he's going to come in here and he's going to do one job. He's going to do it really well. And he's going to change the math for us. What we'll do is put complimentary players around them. And when you do that, it whittles down what you need. So you can be really particular about when you draft and that's why they've ne not necessarily had a, a, a bunch of misses is because it's like okay well we need this spot we need this guy to do this particular thing go out and find that guy instead of just saying hey i think he might be able to do this or hey we got this really nice athlete 
Now, how do we, we now we have to change the defense to fit what he needs. And I think to me, that's the difference, um, which now is being applied to it. And that's why I think a lot of people are taking note with the Rams. It's not necessarily a, you know, we don't want first round draft picks. It's not, it's more or less like, look, we're going to spend that capital on a known commodity. So that way we don't have to try and hit home runs every time. Uh, because let's be honest, in baseball, you do it 30 percent, you're you know, you're going to go to the Hall of Fame, which the NFL is not like that. You go 30 percent, you're, you're getting fired. You know, so so to me, it's a little bit different mentality. And I, I kind of like what they're doing in, the, in that context, Cody. I mean, what, what should we expect entering year two here uh, with at least with with Raheem Morris um, a full year now? Uh, you talked about some of the adjustments that went on during last season. I'm sure they've learned from that. I'm sure there will be more adjustments as we go on a little bit of roster turnover in, in terms of some of these positions, uh, Von Miller on the outside, even a Sebastian Joseph day up front, a little bit of change in the secondary. Um, I know you're not in the room, but you're very good at this. What, what would uh, somebody studying this, what, what would you expect uh, seeing the personnel changes, knowing that they're going to have a full year here? Are, are you expecting anything dramatic or do you think this will just kind of be a carryover of, of what they were doing last year? I don't think you're going to see a, a, a real dramatic turnaround. I don't think they're going to do an about face 180 and then start running a bunch of Nick four down nickel. Cause they got Bobby Wagner. Um, I do think that there is, and, and we've talked about this, Jordan, there's a lack of an edge rush um, opposite, opposite Floyd. What are you going to do that? How are you going to manufacture that? I think what they do though, is they went out and said, look, We've got a guy who can we can do multiple things with. I do think you'll see Wagner at an edge. I know people are saying that that's crazy. That's not going to happen. But I do feel like uh, what's the difference with him blitzing? I, I don't. You're not going to just start blitzing him more more often. I, I think you're going to get into these different looks. So to me, I just look for an expansion in creativity, uh, kind of him settling in. I don't think you're going to see a wholesale change in anything that they do. The percentages probably are going to change for usage and personnel just because of the personnel changes. Um, I think that they felt comfortable with gains in the middle as kind of this worker. How, and then and he's just a, kind of a guy. He's not going to get a ton. He's not going to be sexy. He's not going to get a ton of sacks. But, man, he commands a double team. And, and when he can, he can hold that center in the middle if we need him to, which allows everything else um, – to just work better because what you want to do is you want to keep that, that those offensive linemen off your, off your linebackers, regardless of what front you're running, you want them to be able to run free. Um, and I, and I go back to kind of what Kirby smart said uh, a couple of years ago in the off season about how in order to play good pass coverage, you've got to be able to defend the run and having these guys that can just kind of like cancel a bunch of gaps that they have. And this front is essentially what they are doing is that they, by having five men on the line, you now can really kind of leverage what you're getting from the, from these, from these offenses and you can play with it up front. And so to me, I don't think you're going to see just, a massive overhaul of the playbook. I think it's going to be the exact same as it was this year, but the numbers probably will change. And how I'm interested to see how they use Bobby Wagner and the usage that they use them in. Um, maybe we see a more four down front this year. Um, I would assume that would probably be be an uptick because I do think that they like they like uh, Ernest Jones. So they're not going to necessarily want to say, hey, you had a good year. We want to develop you. And then, oh, by the way, we're only going to run five one looks and Bobby Wagner's in. You know, so I think, you're, you know, it, to me, it just it's counterintuitive for what they're doing. You know, so I think maybe you see a little bit more of that. But other than that, I, I don't see a wholesale change. Like I said earlier, I think McVay has a program. 
I think he believes in the program and then they're, they're going to stick with, with the program. Yeah. And I think too, um, I think you'll see, I agree with, uh, obviously, I mean, I don't disagree with anything you've said, <laughs> um, but I think too, you'll see they, they do like, uh, Ernest to the point where I think you might even see a little bit of a rotation in who they walk up to the line. Um, I know that they, you know, I think to them that continues that multiplicity that they're looking for. If you're also factoring, um, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like, and it's, it's not the same level, obviously, but it's when they would move Aaron Donald all around the front is, the lineman, first of all, good luck getting used to that guy throughout an entire game, let alone when he's moving back and forth and using different tendencies against different guys. Well, I think they sort of see these two inside linebackers in Ernest and in Bobby now, both as guys who expand that multiplicity of, of who they can walk up there, whether it's Ernest and that will be more of, I think, a blitzing role or whether they might actually experiment with Bobby closer to the line of scrimmage and closer to that four down front and certainly want to continue to stay multiple and fluid on the back end. And I think that's you see this in their draft class. It, it they're they're moving toward a complete overhaul minus Jalen of the second. I meant probably minus Jalen and Jordan Fuller and Nick Scott of the secondary. So the, the their draft class just a crap load of defensive backs, all guys who really fit um, their system, like their program, um, and all guys who you can see um, you can really see the formula that went in to going out and scouting them and finding them really high football, high emotional IQ guys, guys who are coverage versatile guys who, um, you know, you're, you're not necessarily looking at the testing numbers or the, or the straight line speed. You're more looking at how they get into position, how they match routes, how they see the field, the type of vision they play with, and particularly what it will look like when they're coming down from that shell or rotating from that shell. And to me, that's the biggest tell of all is if they stop doing that, that's when you know something will change. They can put whoever the hell they want up front or in the or in the the second level. If you start seeing big changes in the secondary, that's when you start to panic and you're like, oh darn, no, I won't get to cover this really cool defense anymore. So I think that um that that's something that that certainly I'm I'm wanting to keep an eye on. Um and and two, I, I liked what you said about the the pass rusher, that's a hill I will die on. I do think that they, uh, and I, I say this pretty much every time we're on this podcast, which is why Rich is laughing right now. I think they will aggressively explore what their options are going to be as these waves of free agency continues, as they continue to evaluate and assess the potential of, of trades. Um, they're not shy about that, and they don't have a set timeline the way that maybe other places do in the sense where, okay, well – you know, the season started, we're not making any more big personnel moves. I think the the bonus and the beauty of both of these systems is how agile they are. It's kind of like what you were getting to earlier, Cody, is, is they, they mirror each other in ways that are so interesting, even as they assert against each other and they counter each other um, perfectly, but they share this same variable or the same um, philosophy in that they are extremely agile. Um, and, and so for you, I guess this is probably an impossible question to answer, but this defense in general, we're seeing it trickle across the league, just as we've seen McVeigh Shanahan system trickle and evolve across the league. We've seen now McVeigh evolve that system forward. Um, almost, you know, it's not funny, but it's cool slash funny in my mind as a direct reaction of this defense that he now has in house. And so I'm wondering to you, what what is the future of this 
system? What does it look like as it continues to move forward? Not necessarily with the Rams, but as you're watching other teams across the league play with this thing now. Yeah, I think too going back to kind of the roster moves, I think you kind of have an idea of where they think the future is going is, okay, the NFL is such a personnel based league there, you know, everybody is studying who is on the field, who's together on the field, you know, and, and then how that expands. Well, that goes for offense, but it also goes for defense. If I'm constantly running a five, one, you know, I, there are, there are certain areas of the field and you see this when you, when you see teams play the Rams that they, you may not be able to attack certain certain spots or certain players, but there are little spots that if you are patient enough and you can get the ball out that you can dink and dunk a little bit down the field. Now, most people understand that's not what the NFL wants to do. They want flash. They want to throw the ball. Most offense coordinators, they're going to, they, they want to take shots. Um, but I think with what they're doing with Wagner and Jones of, okay, even if let we bring in another edge, can we keep that nickel personnel out on the field, but then get to these other looks just like offenses try and put personnel out there to get you into your personnel group only to then run concepts that are from a completely different uh, tree. Um, and so to me, I think the evolution of where the offense is going is going to get mirrored on the defensive side of, okay, how can we be more multiple with this, even though we're not necessarily going to wholesale change, how can we get more multiple with this? What are the players? What are the skills that we have and who can we kind of move around? Cause if, if I look up and I'm an office coordinator and I see, okay, they've got, okay, they got their four down package in here's our four down list. Mm -hmm. This is what we're going to see. And then I look up and, oh, they just got into it. They're actually running their five, one stuff. Now, hold on, hold on. I got to switch over. And now we've got, now I've got to get onto my other part. That little hesitation in that little cat and mouse game uh, that creates doubt, but it also cuts down plays because mm -hmm. now I've got when, now when I get this personal grouping, I have this, these, this, these are my, this is my wheelhouse because these are the only things that can work that I feel comfortable against both of those looks. And when you do that, you reduce the playbook. And once you reduce the playbook, again, that's an, uh, people don't talk about this enough on defense. If you can reduce the playbook, that's a very offensive way of, of looking at things. Mm -hmm. So if I know I can reduce your playbook by just by using personnel usage. Okay. Now I've eliminated things that I don't have to go chase ghosts. And when you do that, you allow your players to play a lot, a lot faster because, hey, we're doing this because they that will eliminate this from their playbook. And that's what they want to do. And it goes back to, you know, but everybody talks about Bill Belichick and making everybody left handed and, do, and doing that. But that's what you're doing in that sense is if the more multiple I can get, the more different looks that I can get. That's a big thing going on in college right now is how can we get these uh, these even front these even fronts because I know I get a pass rush, but how can I get into odd, odd run fits, odd spacing? It's just called spacing. But how, how can we, how can we get into these where now the offense looks like, Oh, this is simple. Cause every look, every OC loves to draw a four man front because the angles are great. It's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, aesthetics are beautiful. An odd front is ugly because everybody's down blocking. And then, well, I got to pull a guy, but he's got covered. So what am I going to do? So if you can give a four man presentation, but get into odd spacing, I think that's what we're seeing at the college level. And I, I just would assume that we're probably going to get different things in iterations of it in the NFL of just how we're going to person, uh, but in more of a personnel lens of 
how can we use this personnel to give these looks and bounce from one thing to another and really keep these offensive coordinators kind of guessing at what we're doing? Because we already see it in the coverage part. Why can't we do this on the front part? Yeah, and I think um, what you were saying about limiting the playbook and and you know limiting the sheet too. I mean, you s- I could I could talk about this for hours. We will get you out of here in a second, but you saw the direct reaction on the offensive side. Sean McVay stopped doing play action and went into empty a hell of a lot more than he'd ever done in his entire career because it limits how multiple the defense can be. They have to declare, and so he's he's literally telling you. I, I understand that you're trying to take my play sheet. Here is how I'm going to reach back and try to take yours as well, even if I can't have my old one back. And I think that um, that's this whole, I mean, the cat and mouse game of it is so fascinating. Um, I, it just, it's something that I love talking about. Um, Cody, you, you're just, you're fantastic. Thank you so much for being Appreciate on with it. us today. You guys, you have to follow him on Twitter. I saw you're up early this morning doing Rams threads this morning. So you guys have to have to go follow him on Twitter at co- the coach. A. There's a couple of underscores in there, but you'll find him. We'll link to him. Make sure you guys are checking out his work at Match Quarters. Make sure you guys are subscribing to his newsletter. Um, I learned something new. He's got a bunch of Ram stuff um, that's either out or coming out in the next couple of weeks. And um, it's just, it's fascinating stuff. I learn so much every time we talk. You're so gracious with your time. And um, again, you're you're one of the best teachers I've ever met in this bu- in this business. I told you I was going to make you uncomfortable by fangirling out over you, I but I just really Really, really appreciate you coming on with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Anytime I can nerd out on defensive football, I'm, I'm down. So, and, and Cody, you know, five and, and not just five books, by the way, but five books in the last five years. You, yes. you are a machine, man. And and these these are all on Amazon. I'm just curious: was uh, is there anywhere anybody would start? I mean, if, if they want to start diving into this, any of those five that that you would recommend uh, diving into first? If you're if you're just kind of not if you're not into the nuts and bolts and you just want to kind of have an idea of kind of where we're headed, hybrids is a great place to start. It's kind of an introductory, it's more of a history type book, but it does go into schematics. So, but it's not over the head where you can't understand. If you're more into the coverage aspect, want to learn more about quarters, I would I would recommend starting with match quarters, the white book. And then if you just kind of want an overview of how a modern defense is is fitting nowadays i would start with anchor points which is my my red book and i make them all monochrome color so they're very easy to identify and they look nice on the shelf i have anchor points i'm staring at it right now it's underneath my copy of dune actually so that's high (laughs) that's high ranking right there but yeah that's a that is a um that that's it, it they look nice on the shelf too and and one thing i will say and i promise i will not embarrass you any more than i've already done but seriously there is a specific way a lot of times that defensive minds or or coaching minds in general sometimes talk about the game that is very exclusive and it's intimidating. But what Cody does and the way that he teaches and explains things, even if you see things in your mind, which when I came to him talking about the Staley defense and what I was seeing at practice and uh, wanted to talk about like solar systems orbiting around each other, to him, he can he translates that immediately and, and understands that without saying, no, you're wrong for thinking about it that way. Instead, he see, he says, oh, that makes sense that you're seeing it like this. Here's, you know, here's a more technical way that you then sort of disseminate that information. And I think that that's one of the coolest things that a teacher could do, particularly when we are all just learning as we go. 
about the sport and particularly with, you know, myself not having a background in playing or coaching, um, it's invaluable. You, it's, it's been an invaluable resource. And so can't thank you enough for being so gracious with your time here, but also, uh, in many, many conversations past and really looking forward to what you explore and, and how you, uh, think about the Rams and how you, uh, I've, I've, gotten a sneak peek at some of the things you're writing about the Rams, but I'm really, really excited for a couple of those pieces you have coming out and um, really appreciate your time, Cody. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'll have that stuff out. It'll be the first week of June. I went to a deep dive when we started having a conversation about this and I'm, I got interested too. How are they different? And so uh, those will be out in, in June on my sub stack. Yes. So you guys can subscribe to the newsletter. You'll get them directly into your inbox. Um, and meanwhile, speaking of subscribe, man, is the athletic what? great great to what? subscribe to or what, Rich? <laughs> uh, look, I, you know, I, I just got to say here before we wrap, like it's been a pleasure for me to listen to this because I mean, you, you have two people here in in Jordan and Cody who are just so passionate about this stuff and who have invested in it. And uh, my goodness, the two of you could put on a seminar. Like I would, I would pay <laughs> to sit for an hour and and just listen to this. So uh, again, thank you so much, Cody. And uh, yeah, Jordan ran through it, but but please check out all of of Cody's stuff. Matchquarters.com is a is a good catch all for for everything that cody offers Uh, his books are on amazon you can find them on the website twitter at the underscore coach underscore a all kinds of great stuff on there cody thanks so much we'd love to have you back to to talk about how uh this evolves and jordan man your passion i i got i'm not i know i know i'm wiggling around on my couch i'm waving my arms around like i haven't even i haven't even had a full cup of coffee yet that's how excited i've been about this i was like if i have a full cup it'll be too much i'll be insane (laughs) (laughs) it's just awesome though and and this is the i'm not being i hope i'm not being overzealous here but i mean this is the enthusiasm that that you bring to your job that that it comes through in in all of your work and i know it's appreciated by by all of our subscribers and and uh, as you said, Jordan, if you're not yet a subscriber, boy, is this a good opportunity. I mean, we are entering the 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 offseason here, the heart of the offseason OTAs. You eventually are going to be able to get out there and, and see this defense and see how uh, things change or how some of the new personnel fits in, what Bobby Wagner is doing out there. So uh, you're going to want to jump in and, and uh, catch up with Jordan all offseason and entering training camp and Boy, do I have some great news for you, because if you haven't already joined The Athletic, you can do so today, right now, in in 45 seconds after we wrap up this podcast by going to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. And you're not going to believe this. You're going to get Jordan's favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? The Fangio Staley defense. Other no. than that. Yeah. My favorite thing in the world, you will get a great discount, you guys. Every single time you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get my all-time favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. Thanks to Cody. Thanks to you, Rich. Uh, this was one of the most fun episodes I think we've done. Um, no offense to uh, to future guests who have been on and, and are, I know, uh, going to be on with us again in the future, but this is a high bar to, to have been set. And um, as always, guys, thanks for listening. We hear you. We love when you guys share our inside jokes with us. Um, we definitely love getting questions. So hit us up anytime and we will catch you next time. 